Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. What a fine Tuesday it is. It's June 6th, 2023. And welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show. I am Gabe Coon. I'm your host. On Twitter, at G underscore Kuhn 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman. I am alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning. On Twitter, at C Dunning 929. Connor, hello. How's it going? Going pretty well. How are going you? Going well. I got you. I'm, I'm doing well. Today's been a uh, S-storm, if you will. The golf world has flipped on its head, man. Live Golf, the PGA Tour, and the DP World Tour have all merged. But Live Golf wins they have won the battle that has been waged for going on three years now litigation that's been open for about a year now it's gonna get dropped they've won i'll get to that in just a second but we have three hours to talk on the way courtesy of 92.9 fm espn and yours truly um also on the show today we'll talk about jaron jackson jr uh this summer gonna be on the FIBA world cup team that's fun that's really fun stuff isn't it connor it's awesome yeah yeah see our man on team usa Cool. Now, granted, it is the FIBA World Cup team. This is not, you know, 2024 Olympics. Although, if he makes a good impression, maybe he could be part of that. Uh, the roster's not near what it will be for the Olympics, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll talk about that. Also, get into more of the uh, podcast P that Jaron Jackson Jr. was on with Paul George. There's a clip I want to bring up. It's about Ja. He's talking about Ja and the support he's going to show him, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. But sometimes growth and maturity is learned through hard lessons. But those hard lessons, I think, ultimately make you better. I'll explain that at the bottom of this hour. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins will join, make his triumphant return. Can I get a round of applause? I need a round of applause for Jeff Calkins making his triumphant return. You heard him this morning from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphis. He'll be at 5 o'clock. Christian Fowler in his normal time slot Tuesday at 6 o'clock. We, uh, we have plenty to, plenty to talk about with Christian. David Jones commits. University of Memphis, DeAndre Williams has a waiver out. What's going to happen with Malcolm Dangerous? There's a lot of things to talk about on that front. Also, NBA Finals news as we get to it. We'll hop into the Blitz around 6.30. Another gambling scandal in the NFL, this time involving the Indianapolis Colts and one of their cornerbacks, who is a six-round pick. And also, I, I have to give airtime to it because I find it, as much as, as, much as it, is a show that I do not enjoy, and I did not watch all that often when when Shannon Sharp was there. I do, I am slightly invested. I don't know about you, Connor, and who's going to be the next 
person to get pissed off by Skip Bayless. Very much so. I, I am slightly we invested in the story. usually have to talk story. about stuff that they talk about. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm slightly invested in that story as a whole, but there's a former NFL running back that's uh, going to get a trial run, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about how that will work out. Now, um, PGA Tour, Live and the DP World Tour have merged. They, yes, you heard me right. They'll, they'll, they'll squash all the litigation that's gone back and forth, obviously sort of spearheaded there uh, by Greg Norman, who was the head of Live, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau was involved for a time. They're going to squash all that litigation. They will combine their commercial business and rights into a new, yet-to-be-named, for-profit company. For-profit is actually meaningful here because the PGA Tour has operated as a nonprofit all these years. The Saudi Public Investment Fund will make a capital investment into the new entity. So the Saudi Public Investment Fund, I just want to say this up front, they've basically bought, for lack of a better terms, the PGA Tour. Now, Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner of the PGA Tour, will stay on as the CEO, Chief Executive Officer, and Yasir Al-Rumayan, the governor of the Saudi Investment Fund, is now chairman of the new venture. He will be spearheading it. He will be on the top of the whole thing. Uh, Jay Monahan, I have to start by saying this. He jumped up the list of worst commissioners in professional sports. For him, this past three years has been mudslinging and digging up dirt and sort of, in a lot of ways, being a hypocrite. And now he looks about as soft as baby powder. Well, I don't have to hide that fact. He looks soft. You can't do all of that. Tell all of these players that have previously been on the PGA Tour they're wrong for taking the money, then you ultimately take the money. It's not how this works. You don't get to get, you don't have moral high ground after that. And the stark thought, the tough thought to take. This sports-washing conversation we've had, I completely understand. All the human rights violations, the 9-11 conversation we could have around the Saudis and the Saudi Public Investment Fund. They've been trying to sports-wash. They've been trying to hide their their track record of all of these issues. I mean, we had uh, multiple journalists killed while visiting. Um, But this sports-washing has worked. That's a, that's a tough thought to bring in. I, mean, I, I think this isn't new, but it worked in record time. Money gets infused into these conversations, and that money talks. That's the truth of it. My other immediate thought is the PGA Tour clearly doesn't feel good about the pending litigation that was going to come onto them. And the discovery part of all that litigation Clearly had Jay Monahan in a pinch, and he felt this was the best decision to make. The thought, though, that the players had no idea. I, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of things they should know, and usually PGA Tour and how they operate, it's hard to keep a secret. But the players had no idea, Connor. Like that to me is insane. The players that have stood by the PGA Tour this whole time didn't want to take blood money, didn't want to take bad money. They were left out in the dark. Colin Morikawa goes on Twitter today, and he says, I love finding out morning news on Twitter. Mackenzie Hughes goes on. He says, nothing like finding out through Twitter that we're merging with a tour that we said we'd never do that with. 
These players have put their neck out for the tour, made what they thought in the past year were meaningful changes to the schedule, to the money involved behind the PGA Tour, and they find out, like all of us, via Twitter, that all of that, putting their neck out, trying to put the PGA Tour first, all that meant nothing, right? All the mudslinging back and forth, all the nonsense, and here we are with Live and PGA Tour as one entity. This has made Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, and all the non-defectors look foolish. They had money on the table that they could have taken and gone to live and still had their cake and eat it too. Phil looks like the smartest man in golf now. And honestly, I I have a feeling he had an idea this was going to happen considering how active he's been on social media and on Twitter in particular. it's, It's insane. Brooks and the rest of these guys, I'll say it again, they had their cake, they got their cake, and they ate it too. And they likely will be able to return to the tour after paying a fine. That's what's being reported right this second. And on top of that, those non-defectors that didn't want bad money, now there's no way to not accept bad money if you're going to play professional golf in the entire world. Everything's all together. DP World Tour, uh, Live, PGA Tour. It's all going to be bad money now. That blood money that they wanted to avoid in the first place. So do they get that money now? All those that didn't accept that money, are they going to get that money on the back end? And in all of this, Roy McIlroy was the one was so loud. I mean, he was very loud about the defectors and what this was going to do to golf and how immoral this whole thing was. Him quieting down the past few weeks and really the past few months seems a lot more understandable. Like you, Maybe he, he was one of the few, maybe, that understood what was about to happen. And this is painful to talk about, but I want to play this sound really quick. This is Jay Monahan, literally a year ago today, if I'm not mistaken. Connor a Dunning. year ago this weekend. Year ago, yeah. year ago this weekend, RBC Canadian Open. This was him talking about the 9/11 families and and sort of what lived defectors meant in that moment and sort of the moral ground he was trying to stand on. This this was him. I want to ask about this. There was a story that was first reported uh, in the New York Post yesterday by Brian Wack. Cut off. A 9-11 coalition of families and survivors of the 2001 terrorist attacks. Um, 9-11 families united sent a, a letter to the representatives of Phil, Dustin, Bryson, Reed, and others, quote, expressing their outrage towards the golfers for participating in the new league and accusing them of sports washing and betraying the United States, end quote. And that's gotten a lot of steam over the last 24 hours. That story first reported again in the New York Post. How much did you talk to your players about the possible ramifications if they sign on with the new league? Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've, and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? 
What a fool. <laughs> That's all I can say. What a fool. He used, used and abused the 9-11 families to, at that moment, make his points. Make his points about why, why are we accepting blood money? What, what, what are these players doing? Tried to be on this moral high ground just to turn around and do the same thing. For the same reason that the original defectors defected for money. It's gross. It's disgusting. I don't know how you could view it in any other way. Using 9-11 families that have lost loved ones, victims, to make a point at the time that you ultimately did not follow, did not stand by. Jay Monahan, it's easy to, to say this. I don't feel any other way. He can't. He's got to be done with this. There's no, you can't have him professional golf after this. You can't. Just the amount of mudslinging and, you know, throwing this mud at everybody throughout this process just to turn around and be the same exact way. Now, as for what it means to the PGA Tour and what's going to happen going forward with the schedule, no one knows. Right, We don't fully know. I mean, the, the majors won't be affected, I'm sure. But team golf likely on the way. Change of schedule is going to be massive. And then my questions from there, what happens with the PGA Tours co- corporate donors, FedEx being one of them that we're very close to, reason we have a, a year-after-year event here in Memphis? Like, what's going to happen with that? Like, Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They're going to have to ask the question, are they needed? With the Saudi Public Investment Fund fronting all this money, giving all this capital to the new venture, new entity. And also, I, I saw this from the sounds of it. The TV partners found out the same way as the players. They had no idea. They found out via Twitter what's going to happen with them. This, the, the, the lack of communication, the back and forth we've had the past three years is all for nothing. It's just this, this process has been foolish. The way we got here has been foolish. And Jay Monahan did it to everyone and sort of seemingly has gone behind people's backs to make decisions on the tour's behalf that are completely against his original messaging. It's just, it's, it's a miserable situation. It's made way more miserable today with the news of PGA tour and live merging. Yeah. I, I think, the biggest thing that can kind of put it in a, into perspective about how much of a surprise this was and how no one really saw it coming is that reports are coming out that, you know, Tiger Woods didn't even know that this was going down. And how are you, the PGA <laughs> Tour commissioner, making moves and doing things without without Tiger Woods having any knowledge of it? That's That, to me, is absolutely insane. That's absolutely. just insane to me. And you have golfers coming out today talking about how disappointed they are that this move was made and how none of them were talked about. I mean, it's disappointing being a PGA Tour member uh, who was ranked number number 159 in the world had this to say. He said, the guys who stay loyal to the PGA Tour, it's kind of a kick in the teeth for them. And they specifically talk about Rory. I mean, 
He has done, he's been a huge advocate for the PGA Tour over the last few years, and it really does feel like they're kicking him in the teeth, and they're saying, thanks for doing all that, but you know what, that check was too big. <laughs> it's not hard to understand why this move was made. There's money involved. Right. Like, I, right. I, I understand that part of it. But when you have this hardline stance against it, and you shame everybody involved that took the money at the time just to turn around and do the same thing, you look like a complete coward. You look like a fool. Now, I have always said, I've long said, like, with the PGA Tour, like, if we want to delve into those waters about, you know, corporate donors and where they take money from, we can delve into those waters, right? I mean, there, there's there's money from China, and we know all the human rights violations going on there. Uh, Saudi Arabia, same thing. Uh, all the human rights violations, um, the, the the connections to 9-11, there's money taken there from uh, when, when it comes to the corporate donors that have stood by the... Uh, the PGA Tour for a long, long time. But if you're going to come out three years ago when all this started to spiral and have that stance, you cannot turn around and do what you did today. And Jay Monahan, I he can't survive this. He can't. No. You can't keep him around. He is the chief executive officer now of basically live golf in the grand scheme of things, right? Like, obviously – PGA Tour as well because it's now one entity, and now it's going to be a full-on, you know, I mean, it, it's that's it. That's all there is for professional golf in the world is the the DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour. That's all one now. I mean, it's a, it's a monopoly. I, I I don't know what what Jay Monahan is going to do. The, the public pressure is going to be immense to get him up out of that seat, and I I think it's fully deserved as a whole. Now you said that we do have a statement from. 9-11 victims on what has occurred today. Have you been able to read through that? Yeah, so the families of uh, the 9-11 United blasted Monaghan. Of course they did. Of course he, they should. He said, because of all of this, what he did with those families is gross. Now that this is the end result of what was going on, it's one of the mo- it might be the grossest thing a commissioner's it's done. Disgusting. Using it's... these families as nothing but for but, but politics. Here, here's what they had to say. PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan co-opted the 9/11 community last year in the PGA's unequivocal agreement agreement that the Saudi Live project was nothing more than sports washing of Saudi Arabia's re- reputation. But now the PGA and Monahan appear to have become just more paid Saudi shills taking billions of dollars to cleanse the Saudi reputation so that Americans and the world will forget how the kingdom spent their billions of dollars before 9-11 to fund terrorism, spread the spread their vitriolic hatred of Americans, and finance al-Qaeda and the murder of our loved ones. Beyond all the money taken, it's just so gross how he drug them through all of this. I mean, you've got to be one of the worst people in the world to use and abuse these people that have been victimized through this whole process to use them and then turn around and spit in their face, slap them, backhand them. There's no words for uh, Jay Monahan and how grotesque he is in this moment. He's just, it's nasty. It's nasty. But I, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. But that, uh, I don't know how this all figures itself out. We're going to get some announcements in the coming weeks, months, uh, about what this all is going to look like going forward. But I, I, I have exhausted my words on it. I've exhausted my words on it. Now it's time to 
use my words on something else, something more positive. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be on the FIBA World Cup team going into this summer. And I think it's a, it's a really good honor. It's a really good honor. Um, you don't get a lot of those uh, in the history of the Grizzlies. There hadn't been a lot of those players that have been able to uh, compete for Team USA. We'll talk about the history of it and uh, what he could possibly do to maybe be an Olympic invite. Maybe there's, there's something on the table for him. This could be a tryout of sorts, if you will. We'll talk about that on the other side, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Enough on that uh, the selling out of PGA, the PGA Tour merging with Liv. Good to talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr., man, I, he's been unbelievable since he's been in a Grizzlies uniform. Uh, obviously, there's been some issues with injuries and him trying to ramp up here and there. But uh, defensive player of the year this year, all-star selection, and also first-team all-defense for the second straight year. And with that, he is now committed to playing for Team USA in the FIBA Basketball World Cup Championships this summer in the Philippines. There's a 12-man roster. That's expected to be finished sometime in later June. So far, McCall Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. Um, they're going to add a couple of more people going forward. I, would it feel better if it was more star-studded roster? Sure, you know, if, if it was for him. But it's still a hell of an honor. Right. And uh, the, the World Cup tends to be more young, up-and-coming talent. When it, when it comes down to it. But this is, I mean, he's getting the nod here in 2023, and then next year they'll have, uh, they'll have the Olympics to deal with, and that, that could be interesting. Now, this is not some reason this is, this is news. It's not some commonality for Grizzlies players. It was Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay in 2010, and then Mike Miller in 2007. So Jaron Jackson Jr. is just the third, really, in Grizzlies franchise history since they've been in Memphis that we've been able to, to see – take this honor on and uh, go compete for the USA. Um, but, hell, who knows? I, with, with Steve Kerr and all the people at USA Basketball, if he makes an impression, you have another all-star year, defensive player of the year contention going into next year. Paris 2024 is on the way. There could be some continuity between the two teams. I mean, I, I think ultimately treating this as a tryout for Jaron Jackson Jr., this could be this could be very good for him. And uh, – it, it does show, like, even in his young career, 23 years old, he's made an impression on just about everybody in the basketball world when it comes to USA basketball. Yeah, he had a career year. It was the best year of his entire career, and he's only going to get better from here. And this is just another stepping stone to the pathway to be on Team USA for the Olympics. And honestly, man, when you look at this team, it, it's, a, it's a bunch of hoopers, man. I like it. Yeah, I really like this team. It is. I do like this team. It is. It's not, it's not the, the top of the sport. Fully top of sport, but it's the up and coming guys. Um, Bobby Portis, how'd he yeah, backdoor his way into that? That's the one he's a little older. Off. Like, that's the one that doesn't fit. When like, all these other guys it, are young. Uh, it, it's a big one of these, is not like the others type of list, but you know, he's going to be the veteran leadership on there and he'll throw an elbow if he needs to. My yeah. favorite thing <laughs> that I'm looking forward to is Jared Jackson Jr. being able to goaltend. Right. Yeah. He's going to average 20 blocks Knock a game. Knock it off the rim. Yeah. 
Well, and how does that work? You can't. I mean, if the ball's coming down, you can't goaltend. But if it's on the rim, you don't have the offensive or defensive interference. Just kind of swipe it away. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, he's a starter on this team right now. It depends who they add. Absolutely. Yeah, but he'll be starting four probably. Bobby Portis at the five with what they have going right this second. But no, this is a bunch of hoopers, man. It's a bunch of hoopers. I don't know what the the other teams look like ultimately around the world. Um, Spain's ranked number one. Right. U.S. Okay. is ranked number two. Okay. Who's who's who? Who would be competing for Spain? Who would who would who would they have to deal with there? Oh God, why'd you ask? I don't know. Yeah, Off see. the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah. So, but obviously, going yeah, into the, the going into the Paris Olympics, though, U.S. takes the top spot once they add well, they'll a bunch add of the like other guys. Yeah, the Tatum's the, yeah, and, you yeah, know. yeah, everybody else. All and the maybe stars, honestly, superstars. maybe job by then. Who knows? Maybe. I think that's a hell of a stretch there, Connor Dunning, I have I said, to say. Okay, I said maybe. Let's, let's maybe. pump the brakes. I said I maybe. I don't, I don't even know if it's a maybe at this moment. I think, I think there's – and that's not – I think it's unfortunate because Ja could be on the straight and narrow for a full year, but you still want – I mean, Team USA, there's not a from single, a representation standpoint, they could go down other avenues not a considering what's happened with Not a single person from this ja. uh, Spain team that you're going to recognize. Oh, so how they how are they one compared to the rest of these? Uh, just McCall really, Bridges, Jalen Brunson, young, Anthony Edwards. They're really young talent. It's young. Okay, all right, but I still feel like Team USA. If we if we don't know names on the Spain team, it ought to be they ought to be number one. This team, even though they're young. Do you think uh, Jaron can get in uh, Anthony Edwards' ear and maybe a little Mikhail Bridges' ear and do a little uh, Grizzlies? I don't. I, I don't think that's up to him. Right? I don't think that's up to him. But yeah, let's plant those seeds. Especially the I like the Anthony Edwards seed. I do too. Yeah, I, I don't know how that would work out though. At some point, you everybody gets annoyed of playing in Minnesota. Though, yeah, Rudy Gobert's there. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, it's only, yeah, it's right. a matter of time. Well, and it's just it's the Timberwolves. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before everybody just sort of gets disinterested in playing. And, and it's not a bad market. I don't think it's a bad market, but that team, that franchise, just not operated well over the years. So it's only a matter of time. Now, um, also on the Jaron front. We did talk about him going on uh, Paul George's podcast, Podcast P. And I, we brought up yesterday how he thinks that, you know, all these lumps and bruises are going to make the Grizzlies better ultimately. And I think for most, for the most part, kind of they were trying to avoid the jaw conversation, trying to avoid it. But as, the, as they got to the waning minutes of the podcast, Jaron actually spoke up on jaw, and this is what he had to say. Hood, yeah. Um, no, he's good. I mean, he's... Uh, I think just growing up with <clears throat> this much mm-hmm. attention on you, like especially being this young, I mean, it's a lot to deal with. And I think, uh, I mean, you're always going to make mistakes growing up. Mm-hmm. And people got to understand, like you're growing up and you're the most popular player at this age probably ever, mm-hmm. theoretically. Like I had to do an interview based on like just how – like how how he's whatever like how popular he is just from an engagement perspective mm-hmm. look at that all the time like mm-hmm. I mean dude it's it's insane and a lot of things back then that you could get away with you can't you can't do you got to be you know a certain way but I mean dude's great like that's you can you can people always got to understand that everybody human like right everybody's human so right. I mean that's my brother though like no matter what like I I stand by my brother and I think that's like the lesson everybody should take away mm-hmm. from this it's like bro no matter what anybody says about your homies no matter what anybody says <clears> about <throat> um whatever like you ride for your people if you know your people better than everybody obviously you're gonna know your people better than everybody else mm-hmm. everybody's gonna say whatever but 
they're everybody. It never, it never matters at the mm-hmm. end of the day. It's your family. It's your brother. Um, I don't know. That's just how I am. It's not like a code thing. It's just right. kind of like, right. You know, that's my dog. <clears throat> so right. Ride with him. He gonna get right back to running the league like he does. Mm-hmm. He gonna get right back to jumping on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do mean, agree. That's like if this, they move the charge circle a little further up, bit, all that stuff. <laughs> he gonna get back to running it just like he does. He already knows that. You know, he works hard. He's the smartest. He's smart as hell. Um, he should have been MVP the other year. Not this year. whenever. Whenever he should have been, he should have been MVP. So I mean, the dude is he's. He's high level, so. Yeah, two years ago, I don't know about MVP. I think that was a little step too far, but the point point here is Jaron Jackson Jr. is standing in his corner. And I, there's a lot of discussions about skipping interviews during the Lakers series. How is Jaron reacting to this? How is Desmond reacting to this? I bet they're frustrated. Yeah, you can have frustration, um, but people try to make it about the locker room. And this is why, for me, having been in situations in locker rooms with guys that may have missteps, this is why conjecture and speculation on how the locker room is reacting always falls short to me. Every guy, generally speaking, has their own problems, some larger than others, right? Some larger than others. And I think ultimately the lesson here is support and love is all we know in locker rooms. If I see the day-to-day work someone puts in, I put in those real fights, uh, the sweat equity with that person, it takes a whole lot more than him flashing a gun on Instagram Live for me to, keep it, <laughs> to, to, to give up on him. Right, you can be frustrated in the moment. The frustration is there. Like it's, I mean, you try to stand by somebody, and if they keep st- misstepping, you you can get you can get angry. You can get frustrated with that person. But love and support is innate, and I think in locker rooms, damn near unconditional. I think that's what Jaron's getting at ultimately, and this is why I really like the makeup of this team heading into the future. And and people will hear me say that and be like. Well, we don't know what Jaw's going to react like after a suspension, what he's going to look like, how he's um, going to be. Is he going to stay on the straight and narrow? But, I mean, think about it. Your personal relationships with your wife, significant other, with uh, your best friends, you know, your brothers, if you will. When do you truly bond with someone and get to know someone? Through the good times or the bad times? Like, when do you really know someone's actual Makeup, not just on the surface level, but on a deeper level. It's when you peel back the surface and you go through those bad times, not just the good ones. It's the bad that really shows you how you're supposed to react to someone's misgivings, their misdeeds, and their issues. And when you truly help someone through those tough times, through their tough times, that's where true understanding and relationships are built. And, I mean, this is, this is cliche, this is corny, but whatever. I mean, good times don't feel as good. <laughs> good, fi- good times don't feel as good without the bad. So I, I feel like this Grizzlies team going through this, these issues and seeing Ja have his struggles off the floor, I feel like ultimately there's a deeper understanding between them as people and as human beings and how they need to treat and act accordingly. So I, I, I hear what Jaron says, and I, I agree with his sentiment there. And I, and I feel like even with these issues, this, this team is in a better, not a better spot, but I think they could potentially be in a better spot down the road for having dealt with all of these, these problems. Certainly. I agree with that. You heard Jaron talk about it yesterday. It sounds like that they are getting some humbling not only on the court but off the court. 
and ultimately I think that's going to be a positive thing for this team. Um, I am just continued to be impressed by Jaron Jackson Jr. Yes, for sure. Every single time he speaks, every single time he makes an appearance, he has really emerged, it feels like, as the leader or the future leader, if you will, of this Memphis Grizzlies team. I think that, you know, last season we talked about how they need somebody in the locker room, they need a veteran presence, they need somebody to be that leader, especially when Steven Adams got injured. I think that that guy can be Jaron Jackson Jr. It now, Especially now that he's the VP of the Players Union. And I do want to get back to that in just a moment, but it really does feel like, man, I don't know, like, I think he's the key piece. I say it a lot. I said it on, you know, I yeah. went on Parker Fleming's new podcast uh, today. Check that out. You can go to his Twitter, my Twitter, listen to that. But we talked about Jaron Jackson Jr., and I've said this for about a year and a half now, but I truly think that this team's ceiling goes as high yeah. as Jaron can go. He feels like the key piece here because he is the true, quote-unquote, cheat code that you can have on an NBA team. He's a guy that can score at all three levels. He's seven feet tall. He's the defensive player of the year. Man, it's just it feels like that he, he is just now really getting started to touch his true potential as well. Yeah. Like we kind of saw it at the end of that season there. And now, you know, I think the hope is is that whenever Ja comes back and he's able to play for this team, you still have that version of Jaron that we saw at the end of the season where he's really tapping into everything that he can be as a player on the offensive end on the floor. And if you get those two guys operating at the top level at the same time. And then you add in a guy like Desmond Bain. Yep. And then you add in a guy like Steven Adams and then a wing player that you may go and get. Yeah. Sky's the limit for this the team, The Dylan Brooks replacement. Sky's the limit uh, for this see, team. See, like the, the, Keep it in perspective. Uh, Jaron's not. I don't know if uh, if John Morant's around. I don't know if he'll ever be the face of the Memphis see, Grizzlies. I don't but know. I think he's, I think he's got that. I think he's got the upside to potentially be the face. But everything – I'm not saying fans leader. Do, Those are two different things. He tends to sort of bring all the conversation back down to earth. Yes. Around this team. And yes. that's it. You need that. And you need a guy that should displays that leadership even at a young age. Now he's got to grow into probably, you know, behind the scenes being a vocal leader, being mm-hmm. more of a guy that that, you know, w- within the locker room that, that can bring those guys along. But I think even with some of these young pieces, we talk about, you know, veterans coming in and, and being a, a a beam of light. If you will, like I look at Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain as those guys, they're young, but they're growing into it very fast. Jaron, VP, one of the VPs of the NBA Players Association, now on Team USA. Um, He makes a lot of public appearances at this point. Um, he, He gives back. He's an ambassador. All the time. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was up for the social justice award just not too long ago. Ultimately, he didn't win it, but Probably he was up have. for it. Right. But, I mean, this is a guy that you want representing your, your franchise. Jaron does a damn good job of, of holding I'm, that. Where Ja has had his struggles, but Jaron does a good job of trying to make up for some of the, some of the issues that the Grizzlies have had this past year. Yeah, and I like your point about how he brings it back down and kind of puts it into perspective. Because I think one thing that's been bothering me about this whole John Morant situation is that I feel like the national media – ESPN, people talking about this and the rumors that he's going to get 41 games and all this stuff. It's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? He flashed a gun on Instagram Live. Can we calm down? He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break a law. We need to relax a little bit. We need to put this in perspective. This is by far not the worst thing an NBA player has ever done. This is a young man that needs some support right now. He needs some guidance. Let's give him that. We, We can give him a little bit of a punishment to get him back on track, but we've got to keep this thing in perspective. And that's what I liked about Jaron's comments is he was like, 
listen, it's going to be getting, fine. He's getting it. Ja's getting it behind the scenes. Yeah, like, it's going to be he's, fine. He's getting, he's getting at least some support and love from his teammates throughout the process, no matter how frustrated they are. And that's something you want to see um, because there, there have been ties cut teammate to teammate for lesser, sure. lesser situations. Sure. And then guys get frustrated and locker rooms can bust. But it feels like this locker room's just on a still on a good report despite all of the nonsense. Yeah. So now, that, that's a that's a overwhelmingly positive sign for for going forward. Especially, I mean, I, I know it it becomes annoying to continually beat this drum. But twenty three, twenty three, twenty four is Jaron John Des. Like it's not they're 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 not old. They're still growing in to, to their roles within the NBA, but I think Jaron has done a great job of capturing all of it and making it happen in a short time. He's been tremendous, and now I want to get back to his position as a VP with the players. Right. I, I want to ask you this, and you know, based on, on his comments and based on some of the things that we've heard about how Adam Silver has worked with the players to try to figure out what this suspension is going to be, it does feel like that Jaron wouldn't allow something well, crazy to happen it, to, to Josh. He's just not does. he's not he's not the only one that, that ultimately but is gonna have a to say voice, in this. Though. He's got a voice. He's got a voice, but I heard the other day it was Shaq talking to Adam Silver. It was on NBA TV and Shaq brought up Ja and it sounds like the NBA Players Association, as much as I thought they were going to be involved ahead of time, I don't know if you saw this. It sounds like Adam Silver is waiting to hand down the punishment, then the NBA Players Association, that's when they would insert themselves into the conversation. So I don't know how much – it depends on the amount of games. Mm, that's but I would different imagine, than what he said, though. I would, he, he has said that he's met with the players. Yeah, but, but I think it was more about the players – it was more about when the suspension was going to be handed down. They all agreed to do it after the NBA Finals. And it was less about the actual suspension itself. It sounds like Adam Silver is going to pass down the suspension, and then they will start to get involved in talks if they do not agree, ultimately. Which is a, it's a changeup from an Adam Silver playbook. He's, he usually tries to get involved with them ahead of time so they understand what, what type of fight could potentially be on their hands. Because they, they try to avoid all confrontation and right. conflict in the NBA. But I think, I mean, Jaron will be in, in, in his corner, uh, but... It depends on the amount of games and what the punishment entails, right? Like, we can't just assume that Jaron, if it's 25 games, he's going to say, well, knock it down to 10. That's unfair. No, no that's I, not I, what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, 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 do, think, I do think ultimately that, that Jaron will be in his corner. But I, I think all the other, guys, the other people in the Players Association, based on precedent, they're going to want to be in his corner because this is sort of an unprecedented suspension we're about to get ready to see for a guy who hasn't broken a law. So I... <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I'm still under uh, of the opinion you can't. It cannot be more than thirty. It can't even be thirty. I, I'm going to stick by my twenty to twenty five. Yep. That's, that's. I mean, I don't care if I'm. I, don't, I really don't care if I'm wrong at this point. I mean, it is what it is. And did you see? Also, we have a report today. Supposed report. And I, I was, I was wary to bring this up, oh, but God. it's being discussed. It I is. know you saw it. I did. Did John Morant's team really say that it was a toy gun? I don't. I don't know. I, this was the Breakfast Club, mind you, um, that that dropped this bit of information. They said that John Morant's team has said it was a toy gun. I one don't buy that in the slightest, and two that would be dumber than having a real gun, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like what are we doing? Um, I don't know. I, I I have questions about the sourcing there. I, I'm also not a listener or watcher of the no. Breakfast Club. I don't know much about it, so who knows? It's just I feel like there's a lot of context being left out especially when a quote like that gets pulled from a, 
a show that's not connected to sports, not right. connected to the NBA. Who knows? Maybe they did hear something. It might be. It I might would be say correct, this though: we 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 absolutely need John Morant's team to come yeah, clean that up. Yeah, like because this has been out in the ether for what a couple 20, hours. No, I've seen it. I've seen it as far back as like fifteen to twenty hours. Really? Yeah, I didn't see it till today. Yeah, I mean. It, I mean, if anybody out there, what's that's an airsoft gun? Are they talking about like a toy? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I that's an odd excuse to make. It's I don't not, understand what it, the strategy there would be. Because you're not actually <laughs> like, okay. Well, you still flashed it. Like, it yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. but like, you're not you're not actually ducking any of the smoke and making it better. No, you're making it worse. The correct. Fact, like, why would you? You had an airsoft gun that he flipped up in the car and showed to everybody. No, that's just it's just not an excuse that that rings home. For people, it's still a stupid decision to make. What I'm curious family. about is that we've seen the text of, of what was said, but we haven't actually seen a clip yet. And I, I'm curious to see what a clip sounds like. I, I We need to see and hear the clip, I think, before we can really make judgment. Well, yeah, no question. No question. But I, I think the, the problem that we run into with these type of things being put out into the ether is everyone just takes it at, at surface value, takes it as truth, then they run with it and try to – Say well, well, Jaw's trying to make every excuse in the book to make make light of this situation. When in reality, I don't know if Jaw has said it himself or if his team has actually put that out there. If it's just some random rogue person from the Breakfast Club getting bad information, bad sourcing. The scale of this story is quite ridiculous when you look at it from a zoomed out level. Because, for instance, last week I was listening to David Spade and. Dana Carvey's podcast. Right, they, they the brought wall, it up, yeah. And they talked about it for five minutes in the open, and it's like, what is going on here? This is crazy. Well, and that's that's what comes with being a superstar in this league and a growing market. And speaking of the growing market, top five local markets for the NBA Finals have come out, and, and, and ratings have come out. Denver and Miami at the top, Denver 22.3 rating, Miami 15.2, but Memphis is in the top five. Memphis made it to 8.7, and three is West Palm Beach, so still that tie to Miami, four would be Milwaukee, but five for Memphis. This really does show, though, the growth as an NBA market we've seen. Really, and obviously this this dates back to when the Grizzlies even got here, but the growth that has been shown since John Morant has been in a Grizzlies uniform is insane. It's pure insanity. And, it you know, we, we talk about the Tigers and their struggles with selling tickets. I think it's 25% year over year, the decrease in ticket sales. But when you put everything into perspective and you see that this is the only professional sport in town, you start to understand why those numbers look skewed the way they do because this this market is growing fast and it's growing for the Grizzlies. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where the Grizzlies have talked about as an organization and the NBA's talked about it at large about, you know, there's expansion talk going on right now with the league. It kind of ties in to kind of ties into this, but it kind of takes about 20 to 25 years to get ingrained into a city and get ingrained yep. into the lifestyle of a city to be in and, the blood of it. And it really feels well, like that that is it has yes. begun with the Grizzlies because it's, you know, we were the kids when they first moved here. When they when yeah, they first came here, I was 6 years old. Yes. And now it's, you know, my generation are having kids and now we're raising Grizzlies fans to where they've always right. known them being and, in Memphis. It's it's so it's been really cool to see. I, I think the there's no question. Team. There's no there's no doubt I think the Grizzlies are are outgrowing compared to what we're seeing with like Tiger basketball in particular. But sure. that's I, that doesn't mean I mean you usually pick one or the other yeah. in a in a working class town. But also I think the growth the past 5 years that I want to talk about with Ja like 
yeah, you can talk about early 2000s when they got here and, and how much of a building up it has been. But I feel like the past five years, having that superstar, yeah, it's having been, that, it's a that transcendent mm-hmm. one-name guy has been more growth than we may have seen the previous 15 years if you're, if you're catching, catching what I'm throwing there. Right. Like, because you, you, you really need the eyes of the national scene to be on Memphis to, to fully get captured by the, by the whole, the whole the scene at large. And John Moran has done that in a big way, but he's just got to get on the straight and narrow and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be back cooking again. And I think it's still cooking considering top five local markets in a, in a, NBA final series that everybody's poo-pooing, that everybody's shooting down, right? The Heat and the Nuggets. There's not, yeah. not everybody. Weird, weird how it turns out that the whole narrative about the you know NBA finals, people not wanting to watch it, all of a sudden is out the window. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know, maybe maybe give NBA fans a little bit more credit. Maybe let's give people more credit. Yeah, but you you I mean largely through the grit and grind era. I mean we're talking Western Conference Finals and what they were able to do, like. You had it was team basketball, full team basketball. And I understand they're playing team basketball now, but you didn't have Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, uh, Mike Conley. That's just not. It's not Dunks John Morant. Few and far between. That's not John Morant, right? <laughs> That's not the up high flying offense lobs at the rim to Brandon Clark. The the, the you know the uh, uh, NBA TV game of the night. You know what I mean? That's not uh, on the national scale that. that even though they were a good team, you didn't you didn't get captured that way. We were going nuts over elbow jumpers and defensive steals, man. It was <laughs> right? a different. Ba- you going a different nuts time. over back to the basket? You damn right, basket. I will never ever forget the noise that the FedEx Forum, aka the Grindhouse, makes when Zach Randolph would catch that ball on the elbow and that little jab step, and you would just hear like. Ooh, the, you just oh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sounded like the Apple thing that we'll talk about a little oh, bit later. God. Yeah, it, small it, talk. That's actually what it sounded like. It was, you know, the electricity in that building whenever he would jab step somebody and he just knew, like, oh, you're done. You're done. He's going to hit Yeah, you. he's about to cook you. Oh, he's going to cook you, man. He's about to cook you. But it was a different era. It really was. It's, they call him Grizz Next Gym for a reason. Yes. You know? And, well, he, that, and it's just, it's it's a different level of superstar we're dealing with right now. And that superstar just needs to, needs to find his way. And I've said that a million times. Gets old to people. But that's what it is. Now, Jeff Calkins makes his triumphant return to the show. That's going to be next right here on the Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN.